Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I'll say this. This song, underrated. Keep it, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. I just don't get how you think this is underrated, but you don't like Michael Jackson or the Jackson 5's version of I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Both, both are all-time classic. I just don't like that song. It's not about the Jackson 5. I just don't like the Mommy Kissing Santa Claus song. So it could be anybody else singing yes. it, like Bing yes. Crosby or anybody else. I you... just I just don't like it. I think it sounds kind of creepy. A little Stranger Danger. I understand the implications of it, but I'm, just, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. All right. But I like Christmas and Hollis. Macaroni and cheese and whatnot. Macaroni and cheese is also under underrated side dish. Macaroni and cheese, the more that I've as I've gotten older, I've come to really appreciate is the great is is like it's a requirement. Like whenever I go and like if I'm going to a gathering of family, I expect macaroni and cheese to be there. And you know what other side dish I've almost gotten to the same point as? I love good deviled eggs. I love deviled eggs. So, like, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, the Easter or if I'm having a barbecue in the summertime. It damn better sure be there at Thanksgiving. I, I, Devil, I want my deviled eggs, by the way, on the PhD weight loss program. I, I ate a lot of deviled eggs during Really? The, oh, yeah. Everything in them is good. The mayonnaise is good. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the egg is good. Right. Can't have that many of them, but you can have them. Okay. Well, I mean, that, that that's good because I, I, I could not imagine. I've actually left a Thanksgiving gathering because there were no deviled eggs before. We actually on our uh on our registry have a deviled egg uh platter. I don't know if anybody got it yet or not. Well I might just snag this for you. I'm trying to remember if it if if uh if it got see see here's the thing when when you're in this and, and this is th- this is future for you, but uh when it comes down to it, the, the decision making when it came to what went on the registry, I didn't I didn't have that many picks, if you will. Is this one that that you like? You put your foot down and you told Julianne. If no, we, no, don't, don't 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 do that. Don't do that. It, it, it's does Julianne also like deviled eggs? She loves deviled eggs. Okay, so this was one where it was like ten, like technically a actually, couple's gift. Actually, it, it it already got purchased. It already Damn got it. purchased. The things that are available on the registry that you could possibly get that are not out of stock is a uh, is a muffin tin. <laughs> Uh, uh, hey, here you go. Electric quesadilla maker. I actually put that on here recently. An electric quesadilla maker. Yeah, it's like it's like a it, you you put the thing down, you put the meat down, and it, it makes a quesadilla. Oh, okay. Kind of like it looks like a little Foreman grill is what it looks like. I think actually I think it's made by George Foreman. Um. Yeah. I mean. I, yeah. I might have to buy it's one in, for myself. It's in your price. I'll put it this way. It's in your price range. Okay. I mean, 
that's good because you know you know what my bills look like. Mm. Jacks on the text line says that deviled eggs, buffalo chicken dip, and sweet meatballs are a must at any get together. Where do you are you a meatball kind of guy? We would do on the Christmas Eve. We would do the Ukrainian meatballs, like with the sweet sauce in there, just because I think we did that for kids. But normally on Christmas Eve, we would do like a we would do the meatless, like the feast of the seven fishes type deal. So we'd have you know smoked salmon and whatnot. But the 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 goat part of our Christmas Eve, and I'll have to make it at some point for the guys, is a crab and artichoke dip that is just out of this freaking world. It's got all the crap that I can't have on it. It's a, It's got cream cheese. It's got Gruyere cheese. It's fantastic. Okay. Are you not a crab? Are you not a crab and artichoke? It's it's like very cheesy. It's like I'd, white. I don't think I've ever had it. Hmm. To to be honest with you, I I don't like his art, artichokes as much. So I actually double the crab and do half the artichokes because I'm not a big artichoke fan. So it has a chance to be very crabby, is what you're saying. Yes, Fiddy. It has a chance <laughs> to be very. It, it has a chance to make sure that you get a crabs in every bite. Mm. What? Now I'm just hungry. See? Well, here's the problem. You refused to eat the Bowberry biscuits outside. I don't like Bowberry biscuits. Which is a, which is another reason why I don't like you. Oh. It's another reason why. Well, I mean, I like you, but it's, there's also reasons that I don't like you, and that's one of them, because that's really dumb. Uh, does Willie need a brisket moisturizer? That's. <laughs> it's not nice. A gift that keeps on giving. Can we can we make a New Year's resolution to to put a moratorium on all brisket jokes in 23? Get, get, a, get a new act, fellas. The best part is that, like, and I'm not even lying to you because you're here with me today. Mm. I've really toned down the brisket jokes. Even though you were the originator of the brisket slander. Yes, but, like, I mean, I mean, the morning show's in on it. It, it, I mean, it shows up in the afternoon with Kyle. The text line never stops. The day that Rickard makes a dry brisket joke about your cooking on the air might be the day I retire. I think he's actually done so. Because I don't think I could come back from that. I think he's done it all right. Um, Someone goes, if you can't make a quesadilla in a regular frying pan, you're pretty bougie if you buy a quesadilla maker. Well, welcome to the party. We have Bougie Palachik in studio today. I mean, I am pretty bougie. Um, I am very, very bougie. And I mean, dude, if, if you can find a way to make quesadillas even better than they already are, I am here for it because quesadillas Quesa, are quesadilla, amazing. Quesadillas are what put me on PhD weight loss. I'll say that. <laughs> I, I would, I would at least be, I would be door dashing a quesadilla at least twice a week from different places, whether it was Taco Bell, uh, pick your different Mexican restaurant. I, I'd be all over the quesadilla, a uh, Sabor, very, very underrated quesadilla, uh, I'm not trying to vamp and not talk Panthers here, though. I I do want to ask the question that a lot of people are making, and, and is what is the better path for the Panthers? Is it to go win out, win your three final games? Uh, I know that the words "control your own destiny," et cetera, and so on, are in there, or get the best draft position you possibly can. And I think honestly that the best that they can do is somewhere in that kind of four, five, six, seven range where you would be in very prime position to get a quarterback because a lot of the teams currently right now in that projected top 10 are pretty set at the quarterback position. If you go down the line, Houston needs a quarterback. Chicago doesn't need a quarterback. Uh, Seattle may need one, although they might be set with Geno Smith. You never know. Uh, Detroit does not need a quarterback. Uh, does not need a quarterback. They are taking the Rams pick, which is fourth overall currently. Arizona, will they go quarterback and and give up on Kyler Murray? I don't know. Indianapolis, they might need one, but that basically is the borderline of where where the Panthers are right now. So if you can get ahead of Indianapolis, 
you'd find yourself in a situation where you're probably taking the second quarterback off the board, and it's whoever comes after Bryce Young. Is that C.J. Stroud? Is that Will Levis? I don't know. But there are some who feel like that road for the Panthers is better than going on a run, getting in to the wild card round, and having to jump all the way down to 19. Yeah, I, I just feel like, like if you're a Panther fan, you haven't been to the playoffs in how many years? Like it's it's been over half a decade now we're going on. Um, and, and look, we hear Terry Rozier talk about this all the time with the Hornets, just how important that experience is. What players on this roster that you're wanting to build around have playoff experience? The answer is none. And, and so I feel like from that perspective, even if they get in there and they get you know trounced by most likely would be the Dallas Cowboys, who are pretty much all but set to be the five seed in the NFC, I, the, 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 that experience is going to be invaluable. I draw the line as wh- wh- where do you want the, the the direction of the franchise to go? If you want Steve Wilkes to be your head coach, I think you want to go on a run and make the playoffs. Because I do think if they if they waver and they finish one and two down the stretch, I think it's going to give Tepper enough of a reason to go elsewhere. So if you want if you want Steve Wilkes here, I think you want to win out and and go to the playoffs and see what happens. If you want to go a different direction. Then yeah, you want the best play, the, the the best draft position available. Even if you don't draft a quarterback, there are still other needs on this roster that you can attack in the in the top seven, eight, nine of the draft. My my biggest issue when it comes to the way these people who are not into wanting to win is that it is number one acting like these guys are robots and they're all of a sudden going to turn it on in twenty three with a new quarterback and a new head coach. The one thing that they have done under Steve Wilkes is built an identity and built some promise because this team was listless under Matt Rule in the first five games of the season. Like like we were sitting there thinking that they were going to turn a corner and they did not only turn the corner, they turned the corner into a bad place. And it took Steve Wilkes a couple of weeks to get himself going, but that Tampa game presented a lot of resolve. The game a couple of weeks ago against Seattle on the road, a lot of resolve. I understand last week was like a gut punch for a lot of you, myself included. But I wouldn't be wanting to go watch this game as a fan if I didn't believe in the man who was in there in the, with the headset. And that's why Steve Wilkes, to me, if it doesn't completely fall apart, has to be the head coach of this football team next year. And if and if you go. Two and one, three and zero oh down the stretch. If you get into the playoffs, I don't know how you could give it to anybody else. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, unless David Tepper just wants to, all, all, you know, lose his fan base altogether, there is no, there is no way you do it. When Steve Wilkes was named interim head coach, I didn't think that we'd be sitting here today having this discussion because I saw what he was in Arizona and just thought, there's no way this guy is fit to lead this locker room that was in turmoil, and I was completely wrong. And so, you know, this was, you know, I was a guy that was in favor of trading away Christian McCaffrey. I thought at the time they should have traded away Brian Burns because I didn't see them putting together enough wins to be in a position right now to go win the division. And look, the fact that they're five and nine is irrelevant. They can help that the rest of the division around them sucks. This division is up for grabs. And I mean, I'm not considering to say that if they make the playoffs, that's going to catapult them into a 15 or a, you know, a 15 and two type of season next year and they go make the Super Bowl. But look how important that experience was 
for the best three-year run of Panther football we've ever seen here in Carolina. Getting into the playoffs as a with, with a losing record, hosting a playoff game that they would win. Like, it's invaluable. And so I feel like as long as you have the, the ability to go make the playoffs, that needs to be the focus until you are mathematically eliminated. I think, too, that the the playoff experience part is the more important part for me because I think for a lot of people, they don't value that as being something that's important. I value this. I value this a lot more than I feel like a lot of people do because I do feel like there's, and by the way, Texter, I did not suggest Levis over CJ. I, I did not. I was just, I know that's some of the conventional wisdom out there. I personally have to, I, I want to let the, pl- the, uh, I want to let the combine stuff play out before I make a determination about which quarterback that I'd want, depending on where the Panthers are. But but in terms of, of the playoff experience portion of this, that is the the real, real indicator, I feel like, of when teams are actually starting to make hay in the NFL. Because, honestly, I'd rather the Panthers have a playoff game with this young core so that when you have your quarterback... You are more ready to compete with teams that are in the playoffs. I'm not saying that they're going to go win a playoff game this year against the Cowboys or whoever ends up coming out as that uh, that team that's uh, in that that second spot or whatever of the wild card, that first part of the wild card. That I think it's the four or five game it would be. So I'm not sitting here and telling you that they are they'd be a favorite in a playoff game just because they'd be at home. But I think you are more adept to compete when you get that first playoff game with a quarterback, then you would be if you were going in completely raw with this game uh, with these guys. You, you would have an eye-opening experience in the wrong, wrong way going in with a brand-new quarterback and a whole brand-new team. Yeah, because I feel like if you make the playoffs, I, I feel like the the NFL offseason, you're going to see quarterbacks get traded more frequently. It's something that we you know, saw last year with Russell Wilson and the likes. So if Carolina makes the playoffs... And even even let's say they, they lose to the Cowboys, but they're competitive. How attractive is this place going to be with the young defense, with young offensive weapons like DJ Moore, like Terrace Marshall? You've got Deontay Foreman in the backfield. This might make a guy like Derek Carr maybe rethink about, you know, does he want to maybe force his way out of Las Vegas? Gardner Minshew, if he performs well in spot duty for the Eagles, maybe he becomes an option no matter what it is it makes it easier for them to address that need if they want to go the veteran route. Baker Mayfield was a last resort option because you couldn't get anybody else to want to come here. And so you traded for a guy who was, for all intents and purposes, just washed at that point in time. And so I just feel like, you know, if 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 you're the Panthers, until you're mathematically eliminated, getting a home playoff game could do wonders for you. And if you're a guy that supports Steve Wilkes, you want to see him lead this team into the postseason and see what happens. And as a Cowboy fan, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't, don't want, want this to see team him. coming to the bank. I say you don't want to see, you don't want to see that. I I know the history of my team in this building. I, mm-hmm. I know how this city acts when Dallas is in town. We may show up and and fill their stadium. Also the, see it. We also see a lot of Cowboy fans come out of the woodwork too. Right, but the Cowboy or the the Panthers get up for the Cowboys. So I don't want to deal with that. And so I feel like if I'm a Panther fan, you like your chances at home hosting a playoff game. I'm going to chase that until I no longer can. 
It is Wesson Walker, Willie, and Fitty in for the boys on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. There are some are saying no Wilkes, not at all. Uh, don't back into the playoffs because of an atrocious division being forced to keep a mediocre coach because of fan pressure would be the worst possible scenario. I don't think Steve Wilkes is a mediocre coach. I honestly feel like part of the reason why I'm into Wilkes is because I've seen what else is out there. He's done in two months what Matt Rule told you he was going to do for two and a half years. Exactly. I mean, like, do you, do you really? Do you, are you really that much more inspired by Shane Steichen? Honestly, are you really that much more inspired by uh, Byron Leftwich, D'Amico Ryan's? I mean, well, none of these guys have acne on their face, so I know that for you, that's an automatic turnoff. Thanks. There you go. There you go. You had you had to go there, didn't you? You had to go there, didn't you? It is Sports Radio ninety two seven WFNC. We will return and talk more about the game itself. Is there a path to victory for the Carolina Panthers if they can't run the football against this Detroit defense? Sports Radio ninety two seven WFNC. saying that this is the goat christmas song but it's if we were doing a mount rushmore of mainstream christmas songs this has to be on it's it's definitely you know it's got a good tune you know you're gonna bob your head it's not too long nope it's like just a little over two minutes yeah it's it's definitely uh my favorite as i told you is do you hear what i hear yeah sleigh ride by johnny mathis is my second i played that a little bit earlier in the show i like uh nat king cole uh the christmas song Mm -hmm. although it's been said many times many ways merry christmas this is really good as a kid i used to be one of those that started the christmas music the day after thanksgiving yeah i'm with you i think i think people who do it earlier than that uh are charlatans and we need to and not not charlatans charlatans and they need to be uh dealt with yeah um as i've gotten older you know i usually wait till like the week of christmas to to get into it um so i've listened a little bit this week you know for me even though i'm not a parent yet like i've I've still got siblings that are 14 and i've got a, a sister that's eight and so like i get so much excitement just seeing them be excited about christmas sure um, which is why, like, I'm really excited to, like, you know, one day become a dad and, and, and get to experience this you, holiday as a father. You see what our mutual friend Nick Wilson's wearing today? He's wearing a Christmas sweater uh, that is an homage to the dude from the Big Lebowski. It says the dude abides on it. I did not see this. Um, Nick was a Nick was a frequent Christmas sweater guy when mm. he was here last year. The the one I need is the the uh, the knock and tell me Christmas party ugly Christmas sweater. That's the one that I want. Uh, yeah, I uh, see. I don't know if I, if I could ever get one with Phoebe from Friends saying "Happy Christmas Eve Eve" on it, that'd probably be my go-to. You're wearing a Mizzou one. Uh, so this is this actually was a purchase from the bachelor party weekend. This was, uh, this was on sale or on, uh, I think it was on clearance when I when I bought it. A bunch of stuff on clearance when I was there. It it it, it looks fantastic on you. Um, I've just never been. Like, I love sweater vest. I draw the line at sweater, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because I, th- I think my neck and head look really fat when I wear sweaters. Yeah, I could see that. So, um, and I mean, I'm already, you know, at a disadvantage when it's trying to get women anyway. I don't need out here looking, you know, fat in a sweater trying to pick up women. So, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find your happy Christmas Eve Eve. Um, I'm not. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Happy Christmas Eve Eve. There it is. It's from Etsy. 
Oh, yeah? Happy Christmas Eve Eve. Twenty. Uh, it, it doesn't look that flattering when it comes to, to what Phoebe says. It's 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 like a regular unisex sweater. It's not like like it's not a uh, it's not sweater material. It's more of a crew neck. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll uh, I'll DM it to you. Okay. Maybe maybe that it's it's only twenty bucks. I mean, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. What? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm just, yeah. I mean, now I got to see it to see you know if it's something that I could I could pull off. Um. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I would love to see. I'd love to see uh, Colin Hoggard in a in an ugly Christmas sweater. I'm a big fan of that. We should do we should do a, a, an ugly Christmas. We do a day where we all wear them, and then take a uh, and then take a staff picture. Yeah, like the WBT did the other morning where they had some shirts made well, they, up. Well, they had they had like custom shirts made up from uh, from Zoki. Yeah, no, th- those were pretty cool. Um, and the seven hundred four number sweater vest, but not a sweater, dude. They're completely different. So yeah, I I love me a good sweater vest. I used to have I used to have a boss that would make fun of my sweater vests. So I've never I, seen I, you in a sweater I vest. Stopped, I stopped wearing them. He he shamed me out of wearing sweater vests. Um, pull it out, man. I mean, I I, I wear one from time to time. Kyle Bailey rocks one. So it's funny. So the guys who were on the scores table at Mizzou uh, would wear sweater vests that had the Big Twelve Conference uh, logo on them. And when Missouri left the Big Twelve to go to the SEC. I was like chatting up those guys on the score. They were like, well, what's going to happen to the Big 12 vests? And they said, oh, well, we'll probably just get rid of them or whatever. And I was like, man, I'd really love to have one of those just as a kind of keepsake or whatever. And I was doing it because I was doing women's basketball at the time. And so those same guys who do women's basketball did men's. And so after the last men's basketball game, I go down to do the press conference with Haith. I come back to my seat. There is a folded up vest by my seat from one of the people on the scores table. So I have that still. The audacity of you and Chris McClain to beg to get free stuff. I didn't beg for it. I or just like, like make it known that like, hint, hint, wink, wink, I want I that. I, I was not expecting that. I respect it because I remember you told me a story about you getting, was it a backpack when you went to the Cotton Bowl? The Cotton Bowl. Well, the, the, there was the, that's the media gift at the Cotton Bowl and my Cotton Bowl bag broke and the guy who's the executive director of the Cotton Bowl uh Saw me the one year who, because uh, I used it as my work bag, and then the next year he saw me, and I didn't have it with me because it had broken. And he's like, "Oh, where's your cotton ball bag?" And I said it broke, and he said, "You know, send me an email. I, I might see if we have one laying around." And, and sure as sure as you know what, uh, <laughs> like a week, like the next week, there's a package that's got the cotton ball logo at my front door say, with a, a brand new cotton ball bag. Mm. Yeah not about begging for stuff it's just that there's there's a certain thing when it comes to hospitality i respect it because i mean it takes it takes a lot of audacity to i mean like chris mcclain begged for one of those awful looking panther hats that yeah, the nfl I, I came didn't, out with this year yeah i didn't i didn't i didn't uh i didn't like that you that know, wasn't a good look had he gone for the shoes like that had been mad respect 704 number says if you're too fat for a sweater, you're too fat for a sweater vest. No. No sleeves doesn't help. No, I disagree does. with you, my friend. No, so it's it's more slimming. Mm-hmm. A lot more slimming is the vest. Uh, by the way, I do want to say thank you to uh, to Jim Dingleberry on the text line. Uh, he mentioned this during the morning show. And, and like I, I did not want to do the thing that Mac did and take free tickets. I offered to give this guy money for tickets. He wouldn't take it. So he literally gave tickets for me and my fiance. So we're going to go. We're going to go on Sunday or on, on Saturday. We're going to we're going to go as fans. I already had the press box seat or whatever to be able to do that. But I have I, uh, I have to do pregame. I have to do postgame. And so she's going to get to do the uh, the whole doghouse thing. And I'm going to get to do the uh, the fan thing because I like I, I like when we as media experience the game as fans, because that is that that is the true 
the the true way to enjoy an NFL game. The best part was during the break, you asked me to see if I could go with you. And in less than a minute, you just went, oh, Julianne's going to go. Well, because she said she didn't really want to go. So I'm really glad I did not, you know, go bother the boss the day before Christmas. Did you did you, did you bother him? No, yet? I didn't. Okay, I'm, so good. I'm glad I did. Like, you know, trying to like, hey, Colin, I'm trying to get out of this so I can go to the game. I'm really glad I didn't do that. I hope you and Julianne have a great time amongst the people in the cold. Well, I mean, I couldn't I couldn't in good conscience give it to a Cowboy fan now. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I respect that. So, but Julianne is a is she a Colts fan first and has adopted the Panthers? No, 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 it's the other way around. She really didn't like the Colts that much. Really, she actually likes the Panthers a heck of a lot more. Okay. She she under she understands the state of play. She mm-hmm. understands that Panthers being good is good for business. The the I mean, she loves Charlotte FC, but she really really loves the Hornets. Mm. The, Hor- the Hornets a rough year then. I know, I know. We're gonna we're gonna go on Christmas. We're gonna go on New Year's Eve though. We're gonna go on uh, on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. We're gonna go to the the New Year's Eve Hornets game against uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, but my biggest concern is is not gonna be the cold. Although it will be rather cold. Uh, I'm not gonna. How lie. bundled up are you gonna be? I'm gonna wear my, I'm gonna wear my my stadium coat and I'm gonna wear uh gonna wear uh, my stocking cap. I have a Charlotte FC stocking cap, but I might stop by and get a, a Panther stocking cap possibly too, just because. Why not? Uh, but um. The one thing I will say is my big concern for the Panthers is I don't know if there's an avenue for them to get through this game if they can't run the football against the Detroit Lions. Because the Lions are a team that when you look uh when you, when you look to their their metrics their their total season metrics say that they are not a good team against the run, but their last 3 weeks they've been really good against the run if not one of the best. So this is a situation where I look at it and I say, you have to figure out how this is going to work from a Panthers standpoint, because if you don't run the football, you're not winning this football game. The last, uh, the last three weeks rushing yards allowed are basically, you know, 185, 223 and 221 for the Panthers. And honestly, from that standpoint, you need to be able to make that happen if you are going to turn this into a situation where the Panthers actually win this game. The rushing yards allowed by the Lions in the last three weeks, 95 in a victory against the Jaguars, 22 in a victory against the uh, the Vikings, and 50 in a victory over the New York Jets. So they have actually made a lot of these teams look rather ordinary because the season yards per carry against in one, two, three, four, five of the last nine games, the Lions have held a team below their season yards per carry. The, and in, including each of the last two games. It was right about even when it, with the Jaguar game. It was about a half yard better when it came to the Bills game. That was their only loss in this stretch. And they held the Giants to a, a yard and a half below their yards per carry in that game about four or five weeks ago. The Viking one was the most glaring. The Vikings coming into that game had run the ball at 4.1 yards per carry. They held them to 22 yards and beat Minnesota. That that game scares me more than the Jet game because the Jets are a one-dimensional offense anyway. And granted, so are the Panthers in a lot of ways. Sam Donald has to prove to me that he can win a football game with his right arm. I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah, but but I feel like... I feel like there's more confidence in me and him if he has to throw the ball than there was last year. 
Like that 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 drive he led last week after the Panthers gave up the touchdown, he marched them right down the field, made some big throws on third down. Like Darnold wasn't making those plays a year ago, but I'm with you. If Carolina can't run the football, how do they win the game? It comes back to defense. You've got to make Jared Goff uncomfortable, skittish in the pocket. And that's something he hasn't been for the majority of the year. That offensive line for Detroit's been really solid. They've got so many weapons that they can get the football to in a multitude of different ways. So this this, this feels like a game where I feel like Carolina's got to play Steve Wilkes complimentary type of football where they control the game, they control time of possession, they control the line of scrimmage. You want Darnold to have to make at most three or four throws, and you hope he makes them. But if not, if if, if this game this game comes into where you know they can't run the ball, you you got to make Jared Goff look like the Jared Goff that the Rams quit on. I think the biggest thing is Carolina's got to avoid a shootout. If this game gets into the high twenties or even the thirties, that doesn't favor Carolina. This this game needs to be played in the teens, low twenties at the at the most. But my only thing that I would look at it and say is that. It can't be a situation like it was last week where you feel like you're forcing it. It it has to, it ha- it has to have some rhythm and planning to it. Like you can't just be sitting there and saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to bring in my tackle eligible, the Arby's package, et cetera, and so on, and try to run it to death." There has to be something off of that. There has to be play action. What? Why did we not see any screens? Like the all the screens, and I understand a lot of this from a game plan standpoint. The Steelers had it all kind of snuffed out, but. I, I didn't see, we saw but one or two screens at all. And, 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 and those honestly weren't design screens. They were checkdowns from the, the Panthers perspective, whatever the game plan was from Ben McAdoo, it has got to be worlds better than what it was a week ago. And the offensive line, I, I, I've been banging this point home all week. I think the offensive line for the Lions is more of a finesse line than it is a, uh, then it is a, a toughness line. Like, you know, the guys like uh, on the Steelers defense, you know, you got Cam Hayward, you've got TJ Watt, you've got Alex Highsmith. Those are big dudes. You got more quick, fast guys, leaner guys. And I heard Lomas Brown talking about this on Mac and Bone earlier this week. That's more of their profile. And I think that's a profile that matches up very well with the Carolina Panthers. I'll take Ike Aquanu against John Kaminsky all day. But whether Aiden Hudson is the guy going up against him, too, because he's kind of that outside rush guy, that would be a little bit more difficult. But I do feel like from the, the line standpoint, it would behoove them to try and stack the box and try and make the Panthers one-dimensional. And, and that's the part of it that I feel very scared about. Like when Chris Rose was on two hours ago and saying, Willie, give me some optimism, I'm going to sit here and tell you. He should be the sunshine pumper. It's it's hard for me to do that right now because of what I saw last week. If if the Panthers had beaten Pittsburgh, I'd be all in. I'd be panthering up. I'd be all over it. But the thing that makes me somewhat reticent is that if it plays out the same way that last week did, I don't think the, I don't think the Panthers can win. Yeah, when it comes to Panth- for the Carolinas offense, and you look at that offensive line, I think you need bounce back games. Bradley Bozeman probably had his worst game as a Panther last week against Pittsburgh. We haven't really talked enough about how Taylor Moten, for what he's getting paid, hasn't really lived up to the contract. You need those guys to be a lot better. They're they're, they're tone setters because if if, if Ike Aquan is holding his own against Aiden Hutchinson, well, they'll just move him over to the right side and let him attack from there. And then then, then what are you going to do? When it comes to the Arby's package, I think the one thing that, that Carolina, I think maybe they got a little arrogant. Because they came out against Seattle and said, we're going to line up with six offensive linemen. We're going to run it at you. You're not going to stop it. 
Seattle's run defense is one of the worst run defenses in football. You know Pittsburgh wasn't going to let that happen. And for some reason, there was this hesitancy from Ben McAdoo to go away from it, to make an adjustment within the game to adjust his scheme. You've got to set that stuff up. You've got to you've got to run some stuff, you know, soften up the edge with, you know, quick in arounds to LaVisca Chenault and then guys like that. And then you come in with six offensive linemen and then you run it right at them. And so that's what I want them to do. When Ben McAdoo's been at his best with his play calling, he's been setting up that stuff. As you mentioned last week, he forced it. Set up the plays that make your offense unique and diverse, and I think you'll see better offensive results for the Panthers in the running game and when Sam Darnold has to drop back and throw. Now, there is one stat that Chilly brings up that I will bring to this table. Jared Goff in cold weather has been a different quarterback. Three games in his career where the temperature is below 32 at the game time. He is 0-3. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. His last game was against the Packers in the playoffs in 21 as a Ram. 21 to 27, 174. He's got 653 as an average, or as a total passing yards average. Uh, around, averages out around, you know, two, 221, basically. Two, 221 per game. If you can keep Jared Goff under 200, I think you win the football game. My thing was, and I know it wasn't as cold in MetLife on Sunday, those weather conditions at the Jets weren't ideal. No. And he led them on a big-time drive in the fourth quarter to win the ball game. That's true. So, I mean, look, the, you, the, you, you can't hide from those numbers, but I also think that we, we really make a, a more to-do about those than more often. Because, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to throw with this wind. Depends on where the wind well, is tomorrow. I, I, I think that's going to be the thing. Is I don't. Th- I mean, like the cold's going to factor because it makes the ball harder, stuff like that. I think if it's windy, then what do you do? Hmm. Th- then I think that's going to really impact the game more so than anything else. Uh, one other thing to think about, Frank Ragnow, who <laughs> didn't practice Tuesday or Wednesday. He was limited on Thursday with a foot injury. Uh, he is listed as questionable for this contest. That's a big part of their offensive line, their their offensive anchor at center. If they don't have him, that's something I look at can be something of real advantage for the Panther defense because that allows you to do a lot more up the middle, especially with Shaq Thompson. Yeah, and it just feels like it comes back to those guys up front winning their battles. Derek Brown, Brian Burns, Frankie Louvu, they take care of their job. I think you'll see the other guys on this defense make the plays that they'll need to make to slow down this high-powered Detroit Lion offense. I, I will have to... Panther up between now and tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock because when Mac and I are together on the countdown to kickoff show, I'm not going to want to deal with his kind of wishy-washy. I I don't want to be that same guy. I'm going to have to eat my my Panther Wheaties uh, this evening and my keep pounding Wheaties to make it happen. With milk or milk on the side? No, I like milk. It's got to be milk. Yeah, see, I, I drink my milk on the side while I eat my cereal. You're such a freaking weirdo. <laughs> Flash me. Uh, one day I'm going Not, don't, to don't don't take your shirt off. No, don't don't do that. Um, Actually, just give me the news. Drake May has responded oh, to yes. uh, transfer talk and in and in the and the NIL deals that were offered his way. He said, "Quote in an interview with Pete Thamel of ESPN, those were those rumors weren't really reality. Pitt's coach ended up putting that out there. I don't know what that was about. You have to enter the transfer portal to talk to these schools and hear these offers." For me, I think college football is going to turn into a mess. They're going to have to do something. There was nothing me or my family directly offered from any of these other schools. Nothing was said or offered to the Mays, end quote. Hmm. What do you make of Drake May first time publicly addressing all of these rumors about him entering the portal 
and the $5 million offers he was supposedly offered, according to Pitt's head coach, Pat Narduzzi, who seems to know more about what's going on in Drake May's life than Drake May himself. Now, I I appreciate Drake May saying this to at least, you know, perpetuate the facade that is these guys not talking to people. I do feel like there is some of that interpersonal hysteronics going on because why would these guys go in the portal if they didn't think that they had an opportunity? Like, there's some guys who are going in willy-nilly because they're not happy, but then there are other guys who are of repute, like Tony Grimes. Like, like Tony Grimes just, just doesn't by accident end up at Texas A&M. He ends up at Texas A&M because he has some sort of indication that there's going to be something reciprocating for him. And again, I, I talked about this yesterday on, on Rickard's show. I don't have any problem with it. I think these kids went so very long without getting any piece of the bag. And now that they're getting a big, big piece of the bag, you got people who are the uh, so-called adults in the room somewhat butthurt about it. And I'm saying, you know, adapt or die. That's the way that I feel. I, I'm not... I'm not. I'm not here to hold Mac Brown's hand through losing five players in recruiting because of NIL at other places. If your NIL is lacking, or what you're being told, or your or your reputation is lacking from what players have said to other guys, then you got to improve. It's on you. That's the state of play currently in the world of college football, and I do think it's going to correct itself. I do think it's going to come back to earth a little bit, but I'm not here listening to the to the coaches whining because they get paid a heck of a lot of money. To not have those problems, I guess, was my is my point there. It is uh, Weston Walker. I, I didn't know if you had, enough, had something to add there. You had nothing to add there. Uh, it is Weston Walker, Willie P. in for Weston Walker, along with Itty Bitty Fitty. We will close up shop for the pre-Christmas holiday show uh, with the walk-off. Next on Sports Radio 97 WFNZ. Do you hear what I hear? Hear what I hear? Hear what I hear? Said the night wind to the little lamb. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Willie and Fiddy in for Wes and Walker. Uh, Wes and Walker are off again on Tuesday. And that is going to be the uh, the real the, the real intrigue. Uh, get your popcorn ready. Fiddy and Pagnata together. Fiddy and Flounder. That is going to be um, something. That's going to be something on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, really excited for the opportunity to get to host. Who's the one in that in that setting? Oh, who do you think? It's my show. I mean, is it? Yes. Yeah. No. It's. it's I would think that you would alternate. Um, uh, you know, you guys both need to lay down some. You gotta, you gotta lay down some tape. No, you, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Who's the, who's the one on the on the the heel tough uh, blog podcast uh, situation? So when it's football, he drives. When it's basketball, I drive. Okay, because there's 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 two separate podcasts which you can true. find on all pal, uh, podcast platforms. No, because are they, are they stupid or behind or no? They're not stupid or behind. No, um, but yeah, no. I mean, we're 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 excited about it. Um, we got a chance to do a three-man show with Smoke the day after the Coke 600 earlier this year. That but was nice. This time, it's just going to be me and Flound, and for the first time, we'll get to live out our dream. This is what we dreamed about, was having our own radio show. Mm-hmm. And for three hours, we get to put something on tape. So we're excited. We're going to have a lot of fun talking Panthers, Hornets, all things college you, sports, you know. You do know there's going to be a big red pen 
session with uh, with Colin Hoggart afterwards. Oh yeah, there's probably going to be. I'm just. I wonder how many times I'll have to dump myself. While, while you, probably, you, know, you probably should sit sit on this side. <laughs> so um, now that I think about it, because I I don't think there's one on that side. I know there is one on this side. Well, I mean, I have one. I'm going to run the board too, so I'll be able to Ooh, run okay. the board and host because I'm dynamic like that. Is always that effect. I thought you were. I thought you were. You were lobbying for somebody to come in and run it for you. No. Yeah, I mean, look, we do have Coco in the building. I don't know Coco's, if Coco's cause, cause ready Coco for ready for that. I don't know if Coco's ready. Coco has not made the greatest first impression on yours truly. I mean, it's it's just it's just a different breed. Whenever like whenever you have to deal with me, I'm I'm look. I'm not trying to dog Coco. I think he's a nice young man, and I think he's going to be great. But uh, I I didn't appreciate the I'm Will Pelagic impersonation. That was that was what won me over on him. Was un- unprovoked walking out of the Hogfather's office Monday morning. He just went I'm Will Pelagic. Did he execute it all that well? No. Is it as good as mine or Flounder's or Boney's? Not at all. Absolutely not. But, I mean, that's how you know he's going to fit in here if he's already mocking Willie P. First day on the job. Is that a, is that a fact? <laughs> is that a fact? It is that That is part of what's on tap. Uh, we'll give you all what else is on tap. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Join our e-club to stay up to date on all things Twin Peaks and score free stuff. Visit TwinPeaksRestaurant.com slash Peaks-Club. Yeah, Walker and Wes, they'll be back on Wednesday, and uh, I'll be back on in the mornings next week, Tuesday through Friday. Uh, Mac and Bone take their Christmas vacation as well. We also have the Hornets tonight against the Lakers. I, I would have spent more time on it if I thought y'all wanted some some more Hornet talk. Uh, I'm my, my hope is that they do something over the course of tonight that has us talking on Tuesday. Like if they beat LeBron, Russ, and the Lakers, that's a little, it's a little, it's a, a little thing going forward there, but. I, I think they've got to prove to me that they are a more consistent team than they are right now in order for me to be 100%, you know, back all in on their train. Because this last little run has been very discouraging for them. Uh, I do feel like if they beat the Lakers uh, and maybe even one of the two of uh, Portland and Golden State, you go three and three on this road trip. You come back on Thursday against Oklahoma City with a victory there, and then you can probably ride that into some momentum against Brooklyn and this next little home stand because you got four straight at home uh, after December 27th. So we'll see whether or not uh, getting those guys back some reinforcements possibly tonight with Dennis Smith Jr. listed as questionable tonight, as is Terry Rozier with the hip. We'll see if those guys are back tonight for the Bugs. Before we get out of here, it's time for the walk-off. What do you have on this day in sports history? Uh, well, Willie, on this day in 1951, the NFL championship game was played at the Memorial Coliseum as the L.A. Rams beat the Cleveland Browns 24-17. It was the first coast-to-coast televised NFL title game. Mm. Um, so that was what made that so uh, so significant. On this day in 1972, the immaculate reception happened as the Steelers turned around a 7-6 defeat with a last-second touchdown by that, by now the late Franco Harris, as that's, they would beat the Raiders 13 to seven. That's so crappy that he passed away right before that. I mean, it's crappy that he passed away altogether. But mm. right before the 50th anniversary, I know they probably intended on doing something with him. I don't know if you saw Chris Russo did an interview with him, literally hours before he passed away. On, really? On uh, whatever day that was, Tuesday. I did not know that, but yeah, just really sad because when I mean, the NFL purposely scheduled the. Sealers and Raiders to really honor this game. You know he would have been involved in some form or fashion. So really heartbreaking to see. And then lastly, on this day in 1972, oh, really? really, the second ever Fiesta Bowl took place. 
And number 15, Arizona State beat Missouri 49-35. to Not nice. Not nice from you. That was by the, by the way, do you know who the quarterback for the uh, the Sun Devils was in that game? It's uh, one you should know is uh, the team that you root for. It was uh, Danny White. Was really? It? Yes. Yeah, I didn't know that. Had a 34-yard touchdown pass to Ed Beverly in the game. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Mike Fink's uh, defensive MVP work did not do well. Woody Green had an amazing game in that one. Uh, 49-35, Arizona State beat Missouri. Have you ever been to the Fiesta Bowl? Uh, I have, actually. I always feel like, I mean, outside of the Rose Bowl, that's like the one bowl game I've always it wanted to go to. It was great when it was uh, when it was sponsored by Tostitos because mm-hmm. the hospitality room was literally, as far as the eye can see, Tostitos bags all for the picking. Everybody just shipped in and did their part. It was it was a very it was a very saucy bowl to put it that way. It was a very saucy bowl. Just kind of like the bowl is when you have salsa from Tostito. <laughs> but uh, but I also again, this is going to sound bougie. More of a paste guy than I am a Tostitos guy. Really? Because that stuff's made in New York City. Mm. Supposed to say New York City. Come on in. No, That's yeah. Another one of those pop culture references that Fitty doesn't get because you're too young and you you know all you do is watch sports. Uh, time for the final take. Uh, your pick of the game. Uh, my, my favorite text, by the way, thank you to Jim Dingleberry, who's sent me to the fo- to the football game. That's such a funny name. Thank you to Jim Dingleberry for doing that. He's uh, Julian and I are going to the game on his tickets. So appreciate that, Jim. I would have given you money if I could. But uh, but thank you so much for doing so here. And uh, we will brave the cold. And we will put two more Panther fans in the building than they might have been uh, had he not uh, gone and used his tickets. I always love when you have to thank a Dingleberry for something good in your life. Give me the Panthers. Yes! 21-20. They protect the bank. I think they just make the one or two plays they have to make this week that they didn't make last week. Slimmest of margins, though. Give me Carolina at home. 21-20 are the Lions. Give me Panthers 20, Lions 17, Eddie P from 35 yards out to win it as time expires. Just, 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 just to throw it out there. If mark, that mark the tape. If that happens, can you recreate the call and and put on your Charlotte FC hat? And oh, when I he will. makes the kick, just go as if Carol Swiderski put one on the back of the oh, onion I, bag. Oh, I will. I very much will. Uh, Anish Shroff does a fantastic job, though. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to take his. Pick. Oh no, I want you to do it on the post game. Okay. Yeah. Like set the scene. And and then I want you to make the call. I will. Uh, we'll we'll see if that ends up happening. Uh, thanks thanks to you, my friend. H- happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you. Same to you. Willie. Always love seeing and sharing the air with you. Merry Christmas to you guys out there. I know we have a lot of banter back and forth and fun and whatnot, but I hope you guys are able to have a very happy and safe, healthy holiday season and Christmas. Kyle Bailey is next on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.